Yeah, welcome to another episode of Guide Live B2B Jam <laughs> Session. Man, how are you all doing? Wherever you are tuning in from today. If you're in Oakland, show love to Oakland. Let's hear from you in the comments. If you're in Houston, show love to Houston. Because my lovely, lovely, lovely guest of today, Zach Nunn, is a brother that I've actually had the fortune opportunity to know for about a few years now. I don't even remember how I met him. We just connected. And this man has been killing it. Zach is an organizational change management leader with a background in human resources. And one of the things in the movements that he's building is called Living Corporate, which is actually centered around the black and brown perspective and experiences of people in corporate America. And this movement, he's been building it for quite some time now, and he's going to talk all about it. But also, we're going to dive deep on some of the things going on in America right now. Um, his thoughts on what corporations can do post-COVID-19, think more about building an inclusive and equitable workforce. In addition to that, he'll share a little bit about his background prior to building Living Corporate. And we are just going to you know, have a great discussion, man. Every time I talk with them, it's a great discussion. So y'all are going to be a part of it. Tune in, ask questions, whatever your thoughts are. Make sure you share this with your network so they can find value from it. But it's going to be really, really fun. And with that said, let me bring on the homie, Zach. What's good, brother? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you, man? Man, look, man, I'm just over here with this dad life, man. I got a fucking <laughs> <laughs> no like... <laughs> You know what I'm saying? You recently just had a newborn, right? Congratulations. That's right, man. Yeah, a little girl named is Emery. She's four months old. Yeah. Um, and so it's just been a it's been a journey, man, trying to um work from home yeah. with a baby. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, I have had, you know, my wife's cutting my hair now. She hasn't cut it in a month. <laughs> she doesn't give me any edge ups. I do yeah. all my own facial, but I haven't touched nothing up for a while. So you know, I was I was in Texas for a little bit, man. Oh, word. Yeah, they got barbershops are open now out there, listen, right? Listen, I mean, barbershops are open, but <sighs> ain't no vaccine, man. I, I <laughs> You're like, not gonna I'm not. I'm not gonna risk it, baby. People out here, man, it's, death count too high. Yeah, yeah. Around, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, no, smart, man. I'm that's trying smart. to chill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's smart, man. But Zach, man, I would love for you to share with us, man, a little bit about your background. You know how and and what inspired Living Corporate. You know. I'm actually going to be sharing the link in the comments. So for those of you who want to check it out, but this movement is something that you've been building for quite some time now, man. But take us a little bit before that, you know, yeah. how you got into the work that you do as a as an organizational change management leader. Man. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think, you know, going back, um, I've always been passionate about people. Right? Yeah. Like always. So like before I even got into organization OCM, organizational change management, people and organization, uh, whatever you want to call it. Right. Yeah. Um, I was really like always involved in like like community stuff, right? Yeah. So like like if it was like my local church when I was a kid, to um any type of like even um like after school activities, band, music. So like even music was like I liked music because I liked how I could use music to connect with people. So like it was always it was whatever I was doing was a vehicle to connect to people. Right. And so I started I started um, actually as a music major at University of Houston and like was a music ed major. I played tuba, did some music arrangement, composition. Um, but then I met my the person who be my wife and I was like, ah, ah, like they don't really be getting paid and I'm trying to get a job. Yeah. I want to do this HR thing. I think I'm going to just go ahead and change my major. So I changed my major, yeah. graduated a year early and like first job straight out of college was HR manager at Target. Wow. 
um, that stuff was a retail is for the birds, like no shame, no shade yeah. to the people who choose to do that. It's just way too structured for me. Like didn't give me a lot of space to like create and like build things, which I also realized over time, I like to do, I like to build stuff. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, man. So, 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 you know, I, I even knew back then I was like, I was like, you know, I think human resources. So I had an idea of what I thought human resources was, which I thought human resources was about like, like promoting um, mm. equity. I thought it was about like advocating for employees. Yeah. But like the reality is that human resources is really about like working on behalf of like the people in charge. So like your job is to like, there's systems in place. Your job is to keep all the employees within the the confines of those systems. Mm. You know, um, you're, it's not really to like, advocate for what's the right or ethical mm. as much as it is to make sure that you're mitigating risk, litigious risk, brand damage risk for the company. Yeah. And that's not an attack to that's not an attack to anybody. That's just just I the way it goes. We live in a capitalist system. You have to make sure there's there's certain things in place um yeah. that uh that that there are certain mechanisms in place that drive money and yeah. you need you need officers um you need people who are going to kind of like protect the guideposts hmm. of an organization to make sure that capital continues to come in. And so I think human resources kind of functions almost kind of like the officer, like the, the, the police of a company to make sure people just stay in line. So anyway, hmm. anyway, so like eight months in, I was like, it's for the birds. I'm not doing this. Like, yeah, got me wrong. So I, so I quit, wow. I quit and I get into organizational development in oil and gas. So my contractor at this point. So at this point, so at Target, I was making like $45,000. No, $44,000. Yeah. They gave me a little increase to $45,000. Oh, shoot. <laughs> you were lit. I was... Because <laughs> I don't know what anything is. Like, that's yeah. a lot of money, you know, to me. Yeah. You know, so my checks are like $1,400 every two weeks. And I'm just like, man, I'm, you know, because I only had, I had two roommates at a time now. But then I got a raise. Mm. Um, because I went, I went, I became a contractor in oil and gas. So like, didn't have any benefits, but it didn't matter because I was twenty two years old. So like, I still, I just had my, I was on my mom's health care. Didn't matter. So I went from making forty five thousand dollars to sixty six thousand dollars. Now that was crazy. I was like, that's when I was like happy, right? Um, and 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 the work I was doing there was more creative, right? Like I was able to like actually like build things. Like I was able to work with a wide array of people. Like there was my 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 audience was more global. Mm. So like I just got to experience more and to see more. Mm. And so um you know, it's a little bit of time kept on going um and you know, I'm the I'm, I continue to be the only black man in all these spaces that I'm in. And I'm starting yeah. to see things, right? Like I'm like, okay, wait, why am I working this hard? I'm a contractor. I'm trying to get full time. Yeah, I know I'm trying to get full time. Yeah. Why am I having to do all this stuff? Yeah. To be full time when I'm still, I'm looking at these people that come in from A and M who don't even understand, can't even spell human resources, and yeah. they get a full time job. Like, why is that? Or yeah, you know, like why is it that? Why is it that you know somebody over here can make a wild mistake and like no one cares, but like if I forget to put a period in an email. Yeah, it's a huge problem. Like what? Like you know. So it's like. So I, I'm kind of like. I'm because again, I'm younger at this time. So I keep on going. I'm doing my thing. Um, mm. my contract ends. I get into. Uh, I become an HR business partner for a startup. 
mm-hmm. most racist, op- like most racist environment of all time. Like wow. I'm talking about the CEO calling me and uh, my boss, who was a black man at the time, calling us apes and stuff, just crazy stuff. Wow. Wild, 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 wild behavior, wild behavior. So how did you handle it at that time, man? I mean, so it so in there were moments, right, where like so I never I never like I never stepped outside of like I'm never gonna let anybody jack my bag up. So like I never, you know, responded in kind. Yeah. There were moments where I would be like, I think the most I've ever done has been like, look, I I think one time I was just like, look, I need you to slow down and let me know who you're talking to. I think like that's the most aggressive I've ever gotten. I was like, I like I just I need I need you to help me understand who is it that you think you're talking to. And so then like that's probably the most confrontational thing that I've ever that's ever happened. And then and they backed down or whatever. But look the point is that company went up and smoked poop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like whatever man. You know what I'm saying? It was whatever. It wasn't the leadership was crazy. They weren't going to be able to take it to IPO anyway. So, you know, whatever. So, yeah. So then, so then I get into consulting and like, you know, it's just the same series of things, man, where it's like, look, I come into a space, I create something I'm building, I'm grinding. I notice these patterns of inequity. Yeah. And I'm just kind of like, what is this? Right. Like I, yeah. I'm noticing, I'm noticing I'm being treated either as a threat or as a problem or as like, you know, whatever. And I'm seeing that like over and over and over. And then when I talk to the black people, they're kind of like, yeah, I mean, that's just the way it is. Right. Yeah. I'm going through the same thing. And so, man, like, you know, I had to look up and because despite all these like crazy situations, like God continued to bless me. Like I'm like, I continue to move up in my career. Mm. And so like, I was like, well, you know, what does it look like for everybody who isn't as fortunate as me, uh, who isn't as gregarious as me, who isn't as like enterprising and resilient? Like and I'm not trying to say like I'm just some superhero because I'm not, mm. but like everybody doesn't have, isn't blessed with the same scenarios to like still come out and things work out. Yeah, you're and to a degree that's you recognizing your privilege too. Facts, true, yeah, yeah. true. So, so then I'm kind of like, okay, what do I do? Like, and what does it look like to have authentic, frank conversations about being one of the onlys in a space? Like, but not at like some super elitist dinner or um. Um, you know, exclusive event where only the where only the um, the talented tenth can go. Like, what does it look like to democratize that yeah. information, right? And so that's where Living Corporate came from. So Living Corporate, our tagline is "Real Talk in a Corporate World." So like, we say corporate America, but we just mean nine to five. If you have a nine to five, or you want to have a nine to five, this content is for you. So everybody has a job because we live in a capitalist society. So yeah, you have. So most of us work in some capacity, hourly contract full-time whatever so right. you know we have these conversations you've been on the podcast a couple times right yep. and, we, yep. and we talk Love about you. yeah man and so we talk about <laughs> so we talk about like you know real stuff like we take it's like fairly, for, honestly the content's fairly evergreen we just happen to be centering black and brown people in the content what i'm really proud about living corporate a couple things is one it's not just me on a podcast like railing against something Right. Like we're having like authentic quality level discussions about real topics. And we and and we hold ourselves accountable to that by bringing on incredible guests. Right. So we've had executives, elected officials, entrepreneurs, public speakers, authors, um, you know, influencers, Mm. act activists, you know, whatever. 
Mm. And and we do that every single week. So it's not like, oh, every now and then we're going to bring on a guest. No, every single week we bring on an incredible guest. Right. And so like when your people, when they check out the link, they'll see and they click the net, they click network. They'll see all these brands that have been on living corporate from Twitter to Facebook to Zillow to Google to Accenture, you know, Cap Gemini, Cognizant, um, Fortune, Forbes. A great place to work. <laughs> Which is like work. an amazing brand. <laughs> a great place to work, man. Yeah. We had Michael, we had the C we had Michael C. Bush, the, the CEO of Great Place to Work yeah. on Living Corporate. Yeah, man. So um, so yeah, you know, and I think the other thing is is that like we don't just think we don't consider ourselves a podcast. Like we consider ourselves um a database, an ever-growing database of thought leadership around diversity, equity, inclusion, because you're not going to go anywhere else on the internet. Like I've checked, yes, that's right, y'all. I've checked the entire internet. Okay. And there, there's no, <laughs> and there's no one else. Like there's nothing else that's going to have all this content over 251 episodes and dozens of blogs, 251 podcasts, dozens of blogs that's going to have consistently black and brown and or, or white aspirational allies on a platform organized and categorized by theme and by industry. Mm-hmm. And so like, if you type in intersectionality, you're going to get 18 different podcasts to come up in three right. different blogs, right? You type in gay at work, you're going to get 20, 30 different points of content. So right. It's really like, it's a database, right? Like, like our goal, our goal is to really become, um, it's to become like the Google of diversity, equity, inclusion, where you type in anything and you're going to get something meaningful back. Our next step and our vision is to really like productize mm. all the content that we have by turning all those transcripts because we transcribed everything. That's why you can. That's why it's searchable. Right. Yeah. So I want to productize it by turning it into um, taking all that content and turning it into learning modules. Right? Now, what's, what's really powerful about it is that it's very human. You've humanized the content too, because you know, mm-hmm. I remember even when I was on your podcast, man, the conversation was just free flowing. You know, it felt it felt like you're making it more, much more accessible and taking away from oh, let's just have these conversations in the corporate environment, but rather let's humanize it and bring a face to it. Right, right. I mean, because the, the reality is, man, like people not trying to have like these like super stuffy. I mean, one, they yeah. don't, they're not real, right? Like they're not authentic conversations. Yeah. So like people are not trying to out here trying to have um, these stuffy discussions. We want to talk about the real at work and what it really means, man, to like really navigate these spaces. Like my thought is I want to have a, I want to have the I want to take the conversations that me and you would have yeah, while we're like drinking or smoking. And I want to take that and put that like on a podcast. Right. <laughs> like I want to have a conversation. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to have a real conversation, man. I want to have a real, I want to have a conversation about like, I want to have a Frank. I want to have the conversations that we don't have at work. Mm. I want to have those conversations. I, Cause because like, what's the point? Like, I'm not trying to waste my time. Like living corporate has been like a labor of love. Like I put in mad dollars and time into this. So like, if I'm going to have a conversation with you, then I'm going to have the conversation I want to have. I'm not going to have the conversation that I could have at work. Cause like we have, we have the diversity and inclusion stuff at work. We have the hold your hands and you have black people crying at work, talking about how upset they are at work. It's like, no, I'm not trying to No, I'm that's not what I want to do. I want to bring on, if I'm gonna bring on a white person, I'm gonna talk about, I'm gonna hold you accountable and ask you, what are you doing with your privilege and whiteness to mobilize equity at work? If I have a black person on, I'm not going to sit, spend the whole time of us crying. Like it's okay to cry. Like it's because we're hurting. So that's not, but what I'm saying is we're not going to, we're going to have a conversation about what the structures look like. Yeah. 
what is what is racism? How is racism mobilized at work? Like, mm. that's the kind of conversation I want to have. And what what's cool about it is, is that what's cool about it is, is that there are white folks who listen to Living Corporate and yeah. they use it as a point of education. That's good. Um, and they, it, it helps them, you know, like it upskills them. Right. That's why I'm talking about that whole like productizing it and like turning it into like really taking that content and like taking it to the next level where we have where, where, where you t- where you can it's a platform you log into and you really can like formally learn something mm. you know what i'm saying yeah no I, and it's so powerful too because what you said about it allows people who aren't familiar with this work to use your work and really humanize their workforce and start bringing more of those equitable policies into place. And I want to dive deep on that with you, man. I think right now, after you know COVID nineteen overlays with the killings of George Floyd and, and the Black Lives and the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, how do you see organizations? What are some solutions that organizations can can bring into their workforce? Three solutions to start creating equitable practices, man. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. So, I mean, first is like, first is you need to hire. You need to hire black specialists mm. to come in and do an actual organizational diagnostic of your like of, of your company, right? Mm. So like so many of you so many people, you know, we talk about like data analytics. Yeah. So people say, you know, people it's something about like because because folks don't think about race or they don't they just don't think intersectionally. Mm. there are certain ways that they don't even look at the data. So like it's important for you to bring in some people coming in. I think again, black people, black and brown people who are data analytics experts, because there's plenty of space out there. Like the winners group is a really good example of this. Like Mm. people I heard who do like the analytics to really look at like your data and not just by race and by gender, but like by like, like taking layers of data at the same time and like doing like a multi, like doing multi bifurcated analysis, not multi bifurcated, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're looking at the data from multiple instances. So like, that's the first thing you need to do is like get some specialists to come in who can really like say, look, this is where y'all are. So it's not just having conversations. That's important. They need to definitely interview your staff, interview your organization, even your leaders, but they also need to do the, the hard quantitative work. Mm. Understand where you are. So that's the first thing they need to do. Second thing they need to do, is the second thing they need to do is whoever is in charge of if they don't have a diversity equity inclusion office Mm. let's say if they don't have that then they need to go ahead and invest in that Mm. and like again i really think it's important to work with like black consultants who are in this space who like really know what they're doing and who can help build that office for you yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think uh, it's it's funny because we, you know, we've been building guide for over a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for us, from day one, we we've been thinking about how are we building an inclusive organization from day one from the ground up. Mm-hmm. You know, and from our advisory board to even how we're thinking about hiring, how we're thinking about a product in our community, those have been on our fourth, on our on our minds since day one. And I think one of the things that often scares me when I when you see a lot of larger enterprise organizations mm-hmm. is that. That's not that's like that's an afterthought. <laughs> like what comes first is like the capital and then <laughs> diversity, equity, inclusion is like right last like, if, if on the list at all. Yeah, but I think you know we're moving towards a world now where it's going to be much more multicultural, and you definitely want to make sure you're marketing, you're selling business to a diverse population, and your organization right. reflects that because they're because your audience and your community is holding you accountable. 
They are, right? And it's crazy because like what people don't think about is like, man, not only not only is your you're right. Like it's not only about your employees, but it's like, man, cuz me, like me, I'm not buying from people. If I find out, let's say like you you're 100% right. If I find out there's a brand out there that is like harming black people, yeah, or don't or don't create equitable access to black people, yeah. I'm going to do the best I can to not support that brand. Like yeah. I'm just I'm like that's off top. Like I'm just not. Yeah. And like that's just me with my little old dollars. But like the reality is there's like there's a larger population out there who aren't just black and brown people. They are conscious or, or at least aspirationally conscious white consumers out there who have way more capital yeah. who are like, yo, I'm just not, you know, so like you're 100 percent right. I think that like I, I also think because of social media. I think it's just really easy now and just and just the Internet. It's mm. easy now to like point out like when people are being performative. Right. Yeah. So like, I, what I really liked is calling out these big brands who put out these statements. But then when you go and you look at, like you just said, their advisory boards or you like you can kind of like go and search like their contracts and see like who they've been working with. And like if they've been, you know, like there are consulting firms out there who are like putting out these huge statements. Right. But they're like but then you find out they've been like contracting with ice. So it's like. <laughs> You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, what are we talking about? Like, what are we talking about actually? Like, you know, like it's just it's not authentic. And what happens when you do that, when you jump out there talking about Black Lives Matter, but then you show that you don't care about black lives at your job at, at, in your company and your business practices as a um from like a social impact or like just as a business community leader, like you you actually end up like you end up harming yourself, right? You go backwards. You 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 would have been better just to not say nothing and take the initial hit of being quiet. But now you got out there loud talking about you care about Black Lives Matter and now people found you out and now you've lost mad shares in the market because people calling you a fraud and people are going now they're going to boycott you and blast you. So <laughs> you're right. You're right. Is my point. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like if there's there's this slippery slope. And, you know, we've definitely, I think, seen a lot of performative marketing um, in the last few months. And it's sad. Right. Because I think that's not the, the best way to market. And even for us, I mean. I, we didn't even share anything around, you know, I, I mean, we're a black owned business, but we didn't share anything around. Oh, like, you know, we support the Black Lives Matter movement because that's that's like that. That's a that should be just inherent part of your cultural identity. As an exactly. Living corporate, so living corporate is black owned because I own it. And I'm yeah. Yeah. But, like, but the thing about it is, had it been a team of us, like it had been a had it been a team of owners. Yeah. yeah. We didn't drop anything about living. We, we show you the Black Lives Matter every single day. Yeah. Like, you should question us. You should never even doubt the question where we stand on Black Lives Matter. Um, and and that's the other thing too, is you know, folks out here just rushing. Yeah. I think I also think the other thing is is that some of these companies, man, you can tell by just the way that they brand and they market. I just think that black people are stupid. Yeah. Like the way that they the way that they market, some of some some of it has been so over the top, but it's just like I mean, like, do you think, like, do you actually think that we're like mentally deficient? Cause like we can actually, we, Yo. we peep game. Like we've seen through y'all for years. Mm. Like this is not a, you know what I'm saying? So, so you asked for two things. So then the, 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 I mean, you asked for three things. So the third thing is, so again, it's first, it's like hiring a black a consulting group to come in and do a true analysis, like top to bottom analysis of your organization. The second thing is, uh, like, stand if you don't have one to stand up and offer diversity, equity, and inclusion, and do that under the partnership and direction of a black consulting firm who does this work. Yeah. Um, and then the third thing is, 
man, because all of y'all got it. Every company has it. Whatever unconscious bias training, diversity, equity, inclusion, like whatever y'all little training y'all got right now, dead it. Kill it. Stop. <laughs> Kill it. Stop it. Don't stop. Hey, why, do you, hey, why do you say that, brother? Because it's trash. It's yeah. trash. <laughs> cheeks, booty cheeks, rakishi. It's terrible. Don't do it. Stop. Whatever training you have, yeah. I, I'm serious. I, I bet, like, what I, y'all, wh- whoever's, I, you know, bring your training up to me. Yeah. I'm telling you, nine times out of nine, your training is going to be trash. So yeah. you yeah. should just start over mm. and invest in new content. And frankly, if you were to like listen to like people like Chris Moreland of Vizient, who was a he's a chief, um, he's a he's an inclusion officer, um, equity and inclusion officer of Vizient, um, or Dr. Pamela Newkirk, author of um, Diversity Inc. Um, plenty of people out there will tell you that diversity tr- diversity inclusion training is a scam anyway. So you should probably just stop doing that. You should really like work with an organization to rethink and reimagine mm. what learning looks like today mm. around workplace equity. So. Those would be my, my three things, man. So like you'll notice I said, so it's like analyze, yeah, build and 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 dismantle. Like you should dismantle, yeah. Things. And yeah. and frankly, and it, and and I'm I'm gonna just throw a bonus in there for free. Believe the black people when they tell you what you should do. Tell like when they say, Hey, we're looking at these policies and they don't really make sense, or yeah, you, know, you think we you know really, you know, you have some problems. Do it. Like when they you when they tell you. You should like go do that thing. Like you should go listen. You should listen to them. I think like I think that's my issue is like with America, like as, as a whole. But like it it seeps into corporate America too. We don't listen to two major groups of people. We don't listen to black and brown people, and mm-hmm. we don't listen to women, and we certainly don't listen to black and brown women. When they when we tell you something, believe us the first time. Mm-hmm. Believe us the first time, right? And that goes with consultants too. So mm-hmm. you know that's my answer. No, that's powerful. That's a powerful answer, man. And it's it's you know I think what what we saw with what we've been seeing in the last three months is a transition point, I believe, and in just culture as well as in business. And it's funny. It's it's really powerful that you say this because I think us having these very raw, candid conversations now it's expected. People are saying, "Oh, this is now the time." But you know, you all in Living Corporate have been doing this years. Listen, man, I appreciate you. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate you. Yeah, we've been doing this. I think, I think that's the other thing too. Is wild. Is like I'm seeing like this. Like um, I don't know. It's like like even within like the diversity, equity, inclusion space, right? Like there's these pockets of people who will basically be like, diversity, and inclusion isn't isn't just about race and gender. It's also about if you like to eat hot dogs, you know, or maybe they like hamburgers, and you got to figure out what you like to eat. It's like, no, actually, that's not. You're wrong. You've been wrong for a while, and you reinforce white supremacy when you do that. Yeah. Um, and you know, but like you see a lot of people trying to kind of do like this pivot of like, oh, now we care about race. And like, you know, I want to be clear, like living corporate, it's not like we just talk about black and brown. We talk about gay, black and brown, trans, black and brown, disabled, black and brown. We talk about first gen black and brown, you know what I mean? We talk about big, tall, short, fat, black and brown. We talk about all types of black and brown, but we're talking about black and brown because I mean, that's 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 the that's 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 the that's the 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 premise in which we, we function as a country like we just do. And so I think for me, what I've been what's been particularly disgusting, I ain't gonna lie. I've had I ain't gonna I'm not gonna make it hot on your podcast, but I've had people 
hit me up asking me, can I, can I, you know, can, can you come and do this? Mm-hmm. Can you speak here? Um, can you, um, can you, can you contribute to my paper? I'm like, no, I'm like, no, people ask to come on live in corporate white people who have no track record at all of like, you know, doing this work all of a sudden want to come and tell my audience um, why that, why, why um, racial diversity is important. It's like, look, one, you haven't done the research. You just, you probably just figured out that we got a, our platform is growing. So you're trying to get on, but if you did any research at all, you would know that we've been talking about the importance of centering and amplifying marginalized black and brown voices for over two years, you know, and, and consistently at that. So I appreciate you for, for shouting that out because um, I think that's another thing that's important is like when these companies, when, as you, as folks are reaching out and researching as who they should bring in, who should, who they should talk to, they need to like, look at the, the receipts. Yeah. Right. If, sure. if your stuff is popping off in February, if, if I can't see anything from you and uh, up and uh, like you just started in like May. Or- <laughs> so not right. Come on. All right. Yeah. 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 So I want to ask you, man, who have been some of the organizations that you've either worked with or that you're seeing that are actually driving this work right and they're putting it in the right direction or are really making a, a, a consummate effort? Yeah. So. Man, so the first one I gotta say um, is uh, is the winners group. So I'll start with like consulting firms, right? So the winners group is a beast. Like shout out to Mary Frances Winner, shout out to Brittany J Harris and the whole leadership group over there. Um, they do phenomenal work, and they've been doing phenomenal work. Really focused on like understanding um, the function of diversity, equity, inclusion being like an aim towards justice. So like that's that's great. Another consulting group I would say is uh, Michelle J Kim with Awaken. Awaken Co. Awaken.co. Um, really good work. Um, thing about when I think about consulting, so I think about like Amy C. Wanninger. Um, she's like a she's a she's a consultant talking about inclusive leadership. And um, if you if when y'all look at the pictures, you'll see that's the first white woman that I've mentioned is because Amy C. Wanninger is like very sensitive about recognizing to decenter herself. So mm. um, uh, so lead at any level is the name of her com- her company. Great work. Um, I want to shout out uh, Vonda Page at PayPal. Beast. Yeah. Beast. Beast. Super beast. I respect her a lot. Um, so yeah, now I'm gonna go into people because I got mad love. Gary Cooper with Amazon, great guy, good work. Cause he's talking because they're like these people in the corporate, these people in this corporate context, they understand the concept of like dismantling systems. So mm-hmm. like, that's important, which is rare to see in like corporate in these big organizations, but um, you know, they're out there. And then, you know. When you think about like health, like anything around like healthcare disparities, things of that that nature, um, Dr. Oni and Dr. Ushe Blackstock, mm. the twin sisters, both of them are doctors, beasts, so good. Um, and then shoot, uh, Dr. Aaron Thomas with Upwork. Dr. Aaron Thomas with Upwork, man. Listen, if there's one voice who understands like the organization, corporate systems, mm. you want to talk about like the science of like how systems work. And like understanding, like or, like again, like the organizational implications of different um, racialized problems. Dr. Aaron Thomas, genius. I'm serious, like a beast. She's, she is, she she frankly, like out of everybody's, like in terms of like if you let's say if I was to pick one individual, Dr. Aaron Thomas, uh, Aubrey, hold on, Aubrey, or is it Audrey? I, and, I, and I keep on messing her name up. It's Aubrey. It's Aubrey. It's Aubrey. Aubrey Blanche. Yep. 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 
Yeah. So we had a really dope conversation. We're going to drop that interview soon. Um, Shout out to Aubrey. She's such a phenomenal woman. She's out here in Oakland. She's a, she's a beast. I have mad respect for her too. So like, um, so positive too. (laughs) positive, But she's raw though. I like it. It's Uh, authentic. It's good. It's good for my, it's good for my soul. Yeah. Like a lot of people that you meet in the DEI space, a lot of them, some of them are like really stuck up and very like it's all it's all like bro, it's like this is really simple. I'll be getting off the phone so fast when people they be talking to me all fancy. I'm like, we get that highfalutin language up out of here, man. I ain't trying to talk to you, man. Come on. Let's have an actual conversation. People are black and brown people out here hurting. Let's have an actual, actual discussion about yeah. Come on. So so now so look, culture amps um anti-racism strategy is crazy. It's so good. It's like and I think that's the thing about Culture Amp and Upwork is that they they take their resource and they're all available. So like you can just like they're all just all on their website. So like leaders can take it and pull. Um, you know, I could keep on going. But like when I think about like the big, big names, I mean, I can shout out some individuals like so Matamba Austin. Matamba Austin is a, a senior uh, partner with a in, a, in the in big four consulting. But his his background and understanding is like health, health care. Um, and, and merchants and acquisitions and deals. So like, but he's really, really been focused on like health inequities right now and like just a beast. And he, and, and because of his background and his, and the way that he operates within like the, in his sphere, he understands like the business ap- implications of it too. Mm-hmm. And so like everybody that I've talked about, like they, they combine like the heart feeling of it with like tactical, practical steps and recommendations and thought leadership around like, how to like impact systems so that's my list man I, that's a really good question though i gotta i gotta stay on my toes with you that was a good question nah it's, it's true it's true no because uh, i think we we have to talk about it man we have to talk about it and more importantly i think people that are listening within our guide community need to follow and see people this work because i you know audrey we see her work, but there's so many organizations that need to see her work. And they often, I think people think that it's not possible to think from an inclusive and equitable lens, but there's so many things from a living corporate to you, to Audrey, to, to books and literature, content, movement, content, which is crazy free content that can really help you open your eyes to this lens. And I think for me, it's just for me, fundamentally, what I often tell people is I see it as a design problem mm. is that like, People just aren't a lot of leaders, especially when you think about a start. I mean, we're a startup. When you think about a startup leading to an enterprise, an enterprise is so complex that it's so hard to like just nail the problem. And right. then, for, then most startups, if they're just started by white males and the people who are investing in these startups don't think about it from an inclusive lens, from day one, it's not going to be thought about, right? And right. it goes down to it goes down to a design problem and then a leadership problem, right? Right. So, and I think that's why, like, it's important that people get challenged mm-hmm. and educated on, like, where they're. So, I, I'm trying not to. Use, so, I'm trying to, like, also um, change some of my language because um, there's feedback actually from like the, the 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 blind community that the term blind spots is can be offensive, right? So, like, I'm trying to think, but there's but there are certain um, deficiencies that we don't know about, right? Just because of our own lived experience, we just there are things that we just miss. And so, you know, it's important that early in the game, like you just said, early in the conversation, you said, like, you know, DEI be like, you know, not even on the list. Right. Not even like out, up there. It's just important. It's just important that like that is that starts at the top because 
by the time you start thinking about DEI, you've already built all of these different systems. Mm. And like, so like you said, we start adding an afterthought, and then you bring in people. Then you, so, so you add it as an afterthought after you've already built all this stuff. And now like your leadership, like these people, that you, these resources that you brought in are like, they're not even equipped to even handle, like, like they're, they're starting off at a, at a negative because they're having to now up in things that had you brought them in earlier, they could have just set up a foundation and kind of like guided mm. the process. Right. So that's, yeah, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. 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 You know, it, it, it's powerful. Cause you know, what, what we're noticing now too, is that now that you're, you know, it's the world is much more remote. You're going to have to think differently about how you, you know, approach DEI training. <laughs> right. Right. Like you're really going to have to be encouraged, proactive self-initiation of your workforce. You know, what are your two to three tips for leaders with that who are leading remote organizations on how they should approach creating an inclusive organization in a remote first world? That's a really good question. Yeah. So, you know, I think. I think it's about understanding that you're not going to get it right first yeah you're gonna mess up in fact like and that like failing is okay if you have the resilience to like continue forward i think the challenge is like mm. again like i'm kind of going back to capitalism for a reason is that like just this we're, we're so focused on outputs and like just kind of like producing that when we fail we like it it becomes like a cataclysmic thing when it's like ah, eh, i mean you have to fail so that you can like that's a that's a failure is a function of learning. So like, you know, you're going to try something. You may try something and it may not go well, but you use it as a lesson forward and you you try something else again. And I think being inclusive in like share your failures. Right. So like, you know, if you're a leader, again, we're talking about we're in a remote world. The benefit of also being a world, remote world is you have Google right in front of you. Like you, there's no excuse. You don't you're not walking around the corner. Mm-hmm. Just look something up, like research something, pull, pull up, pull in somebody, ask a question, like engage these different learning platforms and boards and communities and just ask and just research. So like that takes time and it takes labor and effort, effort, because not only the effort to like do the work, but also like the emotional effort to like ask and ask and ask and ask and like ask and maybe get an answer that you don't really like or get an answer that's not really that effective and try that. So it's like. I, I think like that's those are like that's like my main you know bit of feedback, and I think the other the other thing is like to decenter yourself, right? Like, like we live in like this like really like again like narcissistic like selfish society culture whatever. Yeah. So we want to make ourselves like the hero and the solution to a lot of things, but like the reality is you're not you don't know, and and it's okay and. And also, it's not about you, right? It's about the people that you're serving as a leader. So kind of like, it's like being willing to like kind of kill your ego. And I'm, I'm not trying to be like Eastern, whatever. Like, I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm, speaking, I'm just saying you got to, you, but you have to decenter yourself. I think that's why, that's why diverse equity inclusion as a space has historically failed is because you have a lot of white people who continue to center whiteness, which, and they center whiteness in their language. They center whiteness in their activities and they center whiteness in um, in their strategies and methodologies. And so what happens is um, the people that you're that you supposedly again, allegedly, supposedly want to serve end up being thrown to the wayside. And the same thing can happen in this right now in this moment is like if you try to figure out a way to like preserve yourself, preserve your ego, preserve 
your power or the perception of power or influence that you think you have, whatever that is, your your own like image that you created for yourself. If you try to preserve that in this work, mm. at, in this moment, right now, in the middle of a pandemic, one of the most worst like economic like economically turbulent times since like 1929, like it's just not going to work right now. It it didn't work before, but yeah. we have less like the like the distractions and variables are different now, yeah. and people are not going to be here for your antics. Like, you need to you need to radically change as a leader. Um, to make sure that you're getting the best out of your teams. Man, powerful. I want to show love to our amazing community. Shout out to Mrs. Rogers. Shout out to Sarah tuning in from LinkedIn. What's up, Sarah? Marketing is a perfect term. Performative marketing is a perfect term. So we hit the nail right on the head on that one. Sarah Rogers saying, yes, there's so many passive consumers who do not look into the morality of their choices. How do company statements actually show up in the actions of a company? How are you feeling about this, Zach? Yeah, I mean, the, this is the thing. I think it's easy to put together like a um it's easy to put together like a quick statement on something. Yeah. Um but like the reality is if your company has been historically harming certain population groups or your own employees, yeah. for like I don't know, some of these companies are like mad old. So it's like <laughs> it's hard. It's like like it's it's just that's hard. That's hard work. Like that's hard work because then because you have to ask yourself, okay, well, wait a second. If I if we've been like disproportionately denying access to these population groups for fifty years, then I mean, and if it, I mean, what? How can we really fix that? Really, I don't know. That would mean that we'd have to you know change our leadership and fire a bunch of people and then like create all new policies, which would cost a lot of money because we'd have to do a bunch of analysis. Blah 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 blah. blah. Instead, we're just going to put out this little email that says Black Lives Matter. Yeah. So. I I think, you know, because because white corporate America does not care about black people, we don't spend the effort. We don't see these organizations spending the effort and money to like really fix these problems. So like that's that's the truth. Because like we've seen companies put out mad money, crazy money when they want to fix something, hmm. right? So a lot of them don't really care. And that's like a harsh um, reality and gut check to come to. But it's important in this moment to like kind of to deal with that. And then like and organizations that have the courage to do it. And there's some out there that are growing and changing. Like I'm not trying to demonize anybody. Yeah. But like, you know, it's it's taking that like Sarah was talking about. It's like really, um, you know, looking into the morality of their choices. But that means you got to look in the mirror. And if you don't like the way you look, you might kind of avoid the mirror when you walk by it, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, and, and I think a lot of organizations are taking a hard look at the mirror right now. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you know, it's always great talking with you, Zach. You, you always, you know, it's always great talking because I think it's the, the raw, the rawness and candidness and how you approach the work that you do is really one breathtaking and it's refreshing because a, a lot of people make it, they try to make it more complex than it is. And even... Yeah. <laughs> It's, 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 it's not complex. It's hard, but it's not complex. It is hard. Complex. It's hard, yeah. but it's not complex. And I think you know the the best organ the best time we can actually help organizations is when you're at the early stages, when you're a startup, or like you know you're looking to grow. But even when you're a large organization, you should be thinking from this lens in everything you do. And I think one of the things I've been loving is seeing some of the organizations, the top enterprises, such as a Microsoft, LinkedIn. They're dropping statements, but I think they're also putting actions behind their statements and saying supplier side vendor side how we think long term you know i think when you're large and you you're so big um you know it's so much harder 
to create that change. But you being very intentional about it and actually making those statements is how you, you know, you you um, you kickstart the change. Listen, man, these companies out here solve crazy problems every single day or that's what they tell us. Yeah. So you should. Yeah. Like, again, if you care, you'll make a change like it's not. It's not even like a, it's not it's not really more complex than that, because we've seen organ. I mean. You guys, man, some of these companies, man, like think about some of the products that we've seen. Like some of the innovation that comes out of these tech companies is just crazy. It's wild. <laughs> wild. They be out here building all kinds of stuff. You got robots out here jumping and climbing over fences. You tell them you can't. Come on, man. Come on, man. You got self-driving cars. You got, I mean, we, I mean, I'm just saying like we, like I'll, I'll take it back to what 1969. We, we shot a whole ship up into space. Like, come on, man! And then took the parts back from space and then used it again. Like, come on! Like, we can do a lot. Like, we just like it's about effort and intentionality, man. If we care, we'll do it. It's so true, brother. It's so true, Zach. Man, where can our community follow your movement and learn more about what's next? We live in corporate. <laughs> um, yeah. So look, um, living corporatecom and living dash corporate dot com okay so, and if you just type in living corporate we'll pop up but we're all over man you know check us out um we have a webinar starting like literally launching tomorrow mm. with maureen green james um who's an executive leader speaker educator mentor coach um but we have a lot of content like a lot so check us out on the website living l-i-v-i-n-g living dash please say the dash corporate <laughs> dot com and yeah man that's us man you can check us out you can subscribe to the newsletter subscribe to reading lists uh check out the podcast check out our blogs you can subscribe to everything like we got you and uh, and you also make sure you sign up for the webinar that launches tomorrow love it love it so final word goes to the amazing sarah rogers it seems like many people do things say things create programs with the credit of doing it to save face this is true in so many sectors of our communities inclusion in the workplace, environmentalism, et cetera. It feels like dismantling the already existing programs is the only way to upend the control that leaders in these organizations feel over change for the better. To realize that diversity, equity, inclusion is not something you can accomplish by slamming down some rules and words. Hey, Sarah, you're deep. <laughs> that is Sarah's right. <laughs> Sarah's right. Sarah's That's the only way. That's the only the only way they're really going to see real change and revolution in this work is to yeah. dismantle what we have. Yeah. Like it's obvious that what we have isn't effective. So we need to just try something else. And it's okay. Like, I think that's the other funny thing is that like, um, we, we act as if that's not as, as if building something new is just out of the, it's just un, is out with beyond question. It's not like, mm. you know, there are times, there are things I'm doing. I never get man like when, and it's funny because as kids we learn this. Yeah. As kids we we build and dismantle and then rebuild things all the time. Like we design stuff. Yeah, we design stuff. Like you know with Tinker Toys or Legos. We, like we don't need we don't need an instruction manual. We just we get the Legos. We have our little you know we you know we push stuff out the way. We pour the Legos because my I mind went this big old tin. I pour the Legos on in the on the grat on the carpet, and I would build something. I'd be like, ah, this rocket ship kind of lame. Crank 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 crank. <laughs> I just beat it back up. It's okay. And I think I think that's I think that's okay here too. Um and but people have to be willing to reject again their own ego, their own fragility, their own um entitlement and laziness and mm. do it. Mm. 
Powerful, brother. Powerful. Zach, thank you so much, brother, for joining us. We need to have you on on a future episode. What do you think, my brother? I'm here, man. Whatever. I'm here. You've been on at least like what two, three of mine, and then <laughs> right. I mean, I can at least, I, I, I at least owe you at least two more. <laughs> bro, I appreciate you, man. Thank you for all the work that you do, man. You are you are truly humbling and an inspirational figure. You know, you're someone I just I, I'm always following. Just like, man, what's Zach doing next, man? So, you know, I think just thank you for leading your movement, brother. Really, I appreciate you, man. I'm I'm humbled. Uh, I'm flattered by the compliments. I'm gonna just take them on their face and smile. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, man, we'll catch up, bro. I appreciate you. I'll catch you later. Of course, brother. Be well, man. Talk soon. Peace. <laughs> With that said, you know, thank you so much for tuning in on another episode of Unleashing the Future of Work, a guide live podcast, B2B Jam session. You know, we were just talking to the amazing Zach Nunn. Please definitely check out his living corporate movement. He's an amazing leader who's doing a lot of amazing work, really showcasing and highlighting the struggles and the insights that black and brown people in corporate America see and are learning and what they're doing to create a more equitable workforce within their organizations or in their respective communities. So definitely make sure you check out Zach out. He's super active on LinkedIn and Twitter, and he's an amazing guy to talk with. Much love to everyone who is showing love and actually tuning in and discussing on this episode. Our beta is gradually expanding. We already have 20 customers within our beta, and we're gradually expanding it every single day. So if you want to be a part of the guide movement, definitely check out guideapp.co, sign up for our early access, and let us know what you think, because we'll definitely be gradually releasing it out to you soon. With that said, thank y'all so much for tuning in. Once again, as we go into the weekend, I want to encourage you, please take some time off, go outside, enjoy yourself, drink some water, laugh with some friends, and more importantly, love, love, do something good. Um, And as always, peace, love, and abundance. Talk to you soon. Peace.